This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. Back in the rain, back to campus. Great to see you guys. We are uh, continuing in our series in the book of Mark, and so that's where we are today. We're in Mark chapter 14, and I'll be in chapter, uh, verses 1 through 11. That's Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. Verse 3, while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Verse seven, the poor, you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. Somebody say money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want you to meet two adversaries. For the irritant they believed him to be, both of these adversaries want Jesus exterminated. Unsuccessful they have been in trapping him with the very law he came to fulfill, not to abolish. The chief priests and teachers of the law are at their wit's end. They can ill afford for the masses to continue thinking so highly of this nauseating, provocative, ragtag Jesus with his nonstop traveling, always with that small delegation of boorish, unschooled students called his disciples, and large, large audiences of followers, supporters, and skeptics. As far as they were concerned, Jesus performing miracles as he did with authority and without apology wasn't a good look. If these shenanigans were to continue much longer, the Jewish community's safety would be in jeopardy. 
Yes, of course, but, but even more than that, the socially, politically, and financially profitable genteel way of life that these religious leaders had built might crumble before their very eyes. And that was the real issue. Should word leak to the Roman government that a nobody from nowhere, some indescript carpenter turned prophet had everybody and they mama, it seemed following, around, following him around as he expelled demons and as he gave sight to the blind and as he offered all, including foreigners and tax collectors and prostitutes, a new spiritual lease on life. If, if this news got out, trouble could come. To some ears, Jesus's ministry would have quite easily sounded like the makings of a messianic insurgency. All these people sweating this one dude and this invisible kingdom that he keeps speaking of. That's, that's dangerous as logic goes because only kings have kingdoms. And since if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, Rome prided itself on being ready. For whoever proved foolish enough to test the evil superpowers of its military conquest, they did not, Rome did not take kindly to anyone bucking the Roman way of life. Never. You bowed to Rome on Rome's terms, or Rome would not merely punish you, they would not stop until you and your children and your children's children and your children's children's children were ground into dust. There's this saying that if you're scared, say you're scared. Well, the chief priests and teachers of the law were indeed scared. And in their scheming to kill Jesus in verse 2, they said so. However, there's also Judas in verse 10 who betrayed Jesus in cahoots with these terrible, anxious leaders. For him, maybe for Judas, pure and simple, it was, it was just a money grab. He, he wanted to retire early, maybe had pressing debts to satisfy or possessed a general hanking to, to stockpile loot for a rainy day. And in seeing an economic opportunity of low risk and high reward, Judas decided that the end justified the means. I mean, that, that could be the case. It, it might've been that as treasurer, of the disciples, reviewing, reviewing the ministry's books as he often did, Ju Judas just didn't appreciate Jesus's spending patterns. The fact is, we don't know precisely the reason that he betrayed Jesus, but we do know that he did betray him, which you could say is even more low down, even more low down than the actions of the chief priests and teachers of the law, since Jesus's ministry had fed Judas and clothed Judas. For years, Jesus cared for him. Jesus instructed him. In fact, Jesus was still doing these very things when the text says Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. After witnessing Jesus stand up for this woman in Bethany, which wasn't the first time he had done this sort of thing, some, some wire tripped within Judas. He, he just had enough. And the devil was his rabbi now. Whether quietly calculating or outwardly aggressive, 
adversaries like this still exist, I must tell you. They will sell you and your puppy down the river if doing so presents a chance for them to deposit some extra change in their pocket. And so, so lying to snatch the promotion that you deserve or cheating to steal the grade that you have earned will not keep them up at night. Even so, I also have to tell you that they are not beyond rehabilitation because no one is. Anybody can be transformed. Anybody can be renewed, sanctified by the spirit of the living God. That's a great place to say amen because that's you, that's me, that's, that's everybody. Until life leaves your body, it's not over. You have a chance to make it right with God. In jockeying to derail God's plans for your life, adversaries are always full of themselves. They are always short-sighted. They forget that God has said, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now this does not mean that a Maserati or a Bugatti is predestined to be yours. Further though, don't think that all tragedy, pain, and disappointment will be restrained from your life because you love God and God loves you. You can, however, trust that whatever good or bad comes about, God will use for his glory and God will use for your benefit. In Christ, nothing goes to waste. I'm going to give it to you one more time. In Christ, nothing goes to waste. Do you know what nothing means? It means nothing. Nothing in your life in Christ goes to waste. Now this brings me to the nameless agitators, not adversaries necessarily, agitators in the story, whom we're exposed to between the chief priests and teachers of the law scheming and Judas's uh, betrayal of Jesus. At his friend Simon's home, Jesus was reclining at the table. Verse 3, customary behavior after mealtime. As many of us would, Jesus is just, he's just chilling, he's just relaxing, permitting food to settle while enjoying conversation. Let me suggest something to you. Life's mundane moments are holy too. Holy too. So share meals, laugh a lot, read good books, watch good films, get some good sleep. Every so often, color outside of the lines with a little first grader. God is with you in those moments, as well as when you cry out in agony, as well as when you shout with your hands lifted up in praise. It's in an ordinary setting that Jesus encounters this woman, this woman who came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now, of course, we know because we've read the text that Jesus defends her actions. He, he actually, though, celebrates her actions. 
he notes in verse 6, she has done a beautiful thing to me. And in verse 8, she did what she could. Now, we don't know what prompted the fragranced pre-burial offering that she presented, just that he said it was beautiful. And if it's good enough for Jesus, then it's good. And it should be good enough for us as well. What I want to address for just a few more moments are the agitators. I've covered the adversaries. I want to dig into the agitators whose actions led to all of this drama that we're discussing. So while this lady is worshiping Jesus as best as she can think to do with the best that she has available to her, there's a group scolding her, boiling over in anger and impatience. In the original language, it actually says that, that they were snorting at her. I mean, what grown people snort at somebody? They, they were acting as if a wrong had been committed, not against Jesus, but against them. Here they are, upset with her over the, the guilt of her supposedly wasting costly perfume that, if sold, the profits amounting to more than a year's wages could have been given to the poor. Jesus' reply is what we've come to expect from him. I mean, he's Jesus. As he had a pattern of sticking up for people that were social pariahs, people that were excluded, those who were otherwise subject to accepted, though undignified treatment, this is Jesus. Their past or their present was used to predict a sure and sad future. But Jesus intervenes. His face wearing a smile or a frown, we do not know. He says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? The point I'm driving at is this. If Jesus and the woman had to deal with people who especially when they get cackling together in a group, love to meddle in affairs that have nothing to do with them, then guess what? Use your context clues. Guess what? You will too. And often enough, if you strive to live in ways that please him, the criticism that you receive very well may be about those choices that you enact to please him. The title, Perpetual Contrarian, is what I'm sort of calling these uh, folks, seems appropriate as far as I'm concerned. You, you, you got a big mouth, a big mouth. They, they call you mouth almighty, tongue everlasting. You ain't satisfied unless something's happening. The three-member rap group Houdini said that in 1984. Contrary to the biblical writer James, these contrarians, these are the kinds of folks who are quick to speak and slow to listen. This woman is minding her own ever-loving business. She's not hurting a fly. And notice the perfume in question that this group gets in such of a tizzy about, they have no rights to. They have no privileges to, no gift receipt for, or serial numbers that can be backtracked to their ownership because it ain't theirs. That alabaster jar 
a very expensive perfume made of pure nard that she broke and poured on the head of Jesus was hers and only hers to do with whatever she pleased. In our society, groupthink is all the rage. Anybody can testify you know what groupthink is? You know what I'm talking about? Just raise your hand for me one time. Okay, some people out there. In groupthink, even if someone is wrong, even if they are ignorant, in another context I might say ignorant, even if they are mean-spirited and deceitful and jealous, all it takes is just one big mouth to recruit a posse to jump on their bandwagon of immaturity, largely because they are afraid to think for themselves and go against the grain in order to better represent God. When on the job or in class, your input will be required because that's part of the reason that you're there. You're there to contribute ideas. You're there to contribute critiques and to interact with the diverse gifts that everyone brings to the table. Amen? Amen. That's what you're there for. And of course, we know that any legitimate friendship needs a healthy dose of give and take where iron sharpens iron and conflicting viewpoints can be shared respectfully out of love. But these people, these people are on some other stuff. This woman, mind you, was not engaged in anything obscene. She wasn't dropping anything like it was hot. She wasn't uh, plotting to betray her teacher and friend. We know that she wasn't conspiring to kill an innocent man in order that her clandestine regime of abuse would be protected. We know that. She was, though, very simply, purely having a one-on-one -on -one moment with Jesus, a moment that happened to occur in the presence of others, some of whom couldn't fathom keeping their two cents to themselves. Had their heart and mind been in a better place upon seeing the great pains that she took to worship God with all that she had, maybe they would have done likewise. It's not a competition, you know. It is not a competition, not a competition at all to worship the Lord. As Miranda Lambert, a country and Western singer, had said so beautifully, it takes all kinds of kinds. I'll leave you with this. If, if you are a perpetual contrarian, like the ones that I've described in this story, listen to me. Stop it. The knock over my mind. <laughs> Just stop it. Nobody wants to fool with that. Just stop it. Stop being perpetually contrary. Now, I am not suggesting that you leave your mind at the door and never express an unsolicited, divergent thought. What I mean is be mindful about teleporting yourself into situations that you darn well know are none of your business. And especially if it centers on Jesus and someone's, someone's particular orientation to worship. The people of God are diverse in their expressions. Do y'all realize that? The people of God, the world over, are diverse in their expressions of God. 
So long as no one's harassing you to break open your own piggy bank and to be a mini-me of their certain mode of affection toward God, then leave them alone. Do everyone a favor and just let it go. Be wise, be discerning, but don't be afraid to tell someone, leave her alone. Leave him alone. And this is the kicker, in the name of Jesus. That'll get them. They'd be like, oh, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Finally, as you age and you get married or not, and you purchase a home or not, Maybe you attend graduate school or not and accept expanded responsibilities in this world. Your worship of God can become stationary and muted. Every move you make, it seems like sometimes as you get older, tends to be analyzed to death. As you get older, it feels like life can morph into an obsession with risk management, even your worship. I mean, you don't want to speak too loudly in Starbucks about Jesus because someone may overhear and they'll be offended. You know, you don't want to look too weird if you raise not one but both hands in worship. You, you may even find yourself trying to hush those who are sharing a testimony about the power that Jesus displayed in their life because it doesn't match your experience. So let me tell you, you can be sadiddy in a three-piece suit as much as you can be sadiddy in ripped jeans. You can hide behind high heels as much as you can hide behind canvas hush puppies and blunt stones. What I'm, what I'm getting at is never get too satisfied, never get too frustrated with life to think that you are beyond the need to worship Jesus like this woman did with her perfume, giving all that she had. She didn't give 50%. She didn't give 99.9. She gave, she said, I'm just giving it all to Jesus. Your worship will look different than her because you are different than her. Your struggles are different. Your triumphs with the Lord are different, but all of our hearts should be the same. May the Lord, our God, be your strong anchor in joy and pain with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.